Good morning, Grace Point Church. Our pastor is taking the weekend off on vacation, enjoying himself somewhere. Wherever he is, I hope it's not raining. But we have, I have the distinct honor to welcome our speaker for this morning. Somebody who is very familiar to Grace Point Church. He's been here many times. As I said before, we don't introduce our family to each other. We just announce them. But let me read off a couple of things. He is a pastor of New Jerusalem Baptist Church in Thomasville, Georgia. The director of Benny Calloway III Ministries. The brother has a doctorate of religious and education. And he's a good friend of ours. Bottom line, he's going to bring forth the word this morning in spirit and in truth with power and demonstration with signs following. I ask that you'll assist me in welcoming Apostle Benny Calloway. God bless you. Can we clap our hands and praise the Lord this morning? May the Lord bless you. You may take your seat. We are um, grateful um, to be um, back here at Grace Point. And it's been some time um, since I've been here. I think about over a year I'm in worship. Um, but however, I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to share the word of the Lord on this morning and so good to see um, all of you um, here on today and I also want to thank um, Pastor Dale for um, this opportunity um, to share the word of the Lord today. Let's clap our hands and thank God for him and Ms. Jill. <clears throat> to all of you that are with us and to the um, Facebook audience, um, God bless each of you for your um, viewership and your listenership. And before I um, go into the message today, I want to um, introduce a young lady um, that is with me um, all the way from Auburn, Alabama. And this is my fiance, uh, Miss Trilla Smith. Would you stand? Thank you. We have been engaged since March the 28th. And we're planning to have our wedding on January the 2nd of next year. So somebody give God a praise for that. So happy to have her uh, with me in the service today. Johanna pretty much um, confirmed um, what I'm going to preach today. And my uh, message today is entitled, Love Will Keep Us Together. Love will keep us together. And I want to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And we're going to read two verses, verses 34 and 35. John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And the word of the Lord reads, it says, A new commandment, this is Jesus talking, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. 
Would you tell someone love will keep us together? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great privilege you have given us to preach and teach your word today. We thank you for this uh, physical audience. We thank you for this virtual audience. And we pray that as the word of the Lord goes forth, that the Holy Spirit will navigate and negotiate change in the hearts and the lives of your people. And let that change become reflective in our day-to-day -day behavior patterns. We thank you for the anointing of your spirit that removes every burden, destroys every yoke, and sets the captive free. Free your people today through and by your word as only you can. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And all God's people said. I believe that if there is any message that needs to be preached and taught in the days and times in which we live, it is the message of the love of God that has been exhibited through the person, the practices, and the principles of Jesus our Christ. And the world is in desperate need of knowing that the love of God is at their disposal to access. And not only that, that there are people that the Lord will show his love through that will enable them to overcome all the hurt, the pain, the trauma, the rejection, and the difficulties that come with this life. And it is incumbent upon us, not only as a local congregation, but as the body of Christ as a whole, that in order for us to be successful in fulfilling the work of God, love has to be number one priority in all that we say and all that we do. When we allow the love of God to be poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we are to extend that love by being sensitive to the needs of others. Seeing the needs of those people and, and creatively being able to find a way to meet those needs. And we should be joyfully and enthusiastically serving those that are in need. And I promise you that when that begins to happen, that you will experience um, no greater fulfillment and pleasure. And I found out in almost 30 years of ministry that when you serve others, there's something in it for you too. But your focus has to be on others because Dr. Mike Murdoch said that what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. You know, William Shakespeare said that we are to love all, trust few, and do wrong to no man. And in our text here in John chapter 13, Jesus is coming to the end of his earthly ministry he has washed his disciples' feet as an example of how they were to render service to one another and to the world as he prepares to send them forth into all the world, uh, preaching the gospel to every creature. Jesus will be soon facing death on the cross, but before he does, he gives his disciples one last instruction before he transitions from the human Jesus to the divine Christ, and that is to exercise the law of love. 
Now, in order for us to understand what love is, we have to understand what love is not. Love is not a feeling, but it is a decision that leads to a feeling. Love is not an emotion, but it is a principle kept that leads to an emotion. Love is not affection, but it is an attitude, it is a disposition, it is a demeanor that leads to affection. Divine love or the love of God is what we know as the Greek word agapeo, which is a verb tense, which means to welcome, entertain, to be fond of, to express the essential nature of God in developing the proper attitude toward our spiritual brothers and sisters. It is a total commitment of our personal wills over to something else, a cause that is greater than ourselves. It is when the will of God takes priority over our own personal happiness. And these disciples whom Jesus would name as apostles or sent ones will inherit the ministry that Jesus had begun in the earth and love has to be the foundational principle in all they would do and all that they would preach. And, and I want to deal with, first and foremost, three reasons why love is of absolute necessity. Three reasons why love is of absolute necessity. Number one, there is enough hostility in the world. There is enough hostility in the world. And so when we talk about hostility, we're talking about unfriendliness or opposition ill will and bad feelings toward others, but when people do it in a chronic way. And, and, and there are many people in the world that seek out the opportunity to be adversarial. They seek out the opportunity to be confrontational. They seek out the opportunity to be contentious and contrary just for the sake of it. Those who have the personality to be antagonistic that with them is always about raising an issue it is their attitude it is their disposition it is their demeanor it is their mindset there are people that are looking for a reason not to agree or get it or not get in harmony with people and things that can be of others benefit to make the world a better place to live in they disapprove of everything. They are unsympathetic. They're mean. They're hateful. I say their first name ought to be anti. <laughs> because they oppose everything. And evidently and psychologically, they have unresolved anger in their lives. And being adversarial is their coping mechanism by making themselves enemies and foes and nemesis of anyone or anything that's good and godly. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And how many know we're living in some perilous times? We're living in some dangerous times. And then Paul went on in those, in those seven verses and he described how the personality of men would be. But there are two that I want to point out. In one place, 
in, the, in verse 3 of 2 Timothy 3, Paul said that men would be fierce. He said they would be fierce. That word fierce means not to be tamed, but their attitudes are out of control and they behave as wild savages. And then he went on to say that there would be men that would be despisers of those that are good. In other words, they wouldn't be opposed to goodness and good men. They would be hostile to anything that is virtuous. But the love of God is the only necessary solution that can make an enemy an ally, can make a foe a friend, and can make a nemesis a necessary team player. So love is of absolute necessity. There's enough hostility in the world. Secondly, there is enough hate in the religious world. There's enough hate in the religious world. Now, the word hate is the Greek word misio from what we get the English word misery, which means to detest or to have malicious or unjustified feelings toward others, especially the innocent for no legitimate reason. And the reason why people take on this posture is because they're miserable. They are wretchedly unhappy about their own lives because they have failed to discover their own self-worth and personal dignity. And this is often because they feel inferior or, in, or inadequate. And it happens so frequently in and through the church with a spirit of religion, which is a false way of being, believing, and behaving with the objective of finding fault, nitpicking, and constant criticism. Jesus said something in John 15 and 18. He told his disciples, he said, if the world hate you, he said, you need to know that they hated me before they hated you. And then he dropped down verse 25 of John 15, and he said, they hated me without a cause. For nothing or in vain, and, and, and they were bold with it. And the religious leaders hated Jesus because he went about doing good and they wanted him to condemn and judge people with the law like they did. But they didn't understand that Jesus came to fulfill the law through love and make men free spiritually, just like the worship team was singing, not by rule keeping, but by relationship building. Because think about it, there would have been no need for Jesus to come if he was going to do what had already been done. But contrarywise, he came to undo what damaging religion had already done. See, because under the law, we had to obey in order to receive love. But under the new covenant of grace, because we have received the love of God, is why we obey the law of love. And under the new covenant of grace, yeah, give God a praise. Under the new covenant of grace, we are to hate the hate and we are to love the love. Galatians 5 and 17 says that hatred is a work of the flesh. Hatred will divide us and drive us apart over issues that can be resolved, but so many times we make things personal. Believers ought to be lovers and not fighters. 
Love can eliminate hatred in families and homes and workplaces and churches, but it all starts within the human heart. Humanity needs to hear the message of love. Humanity needs their minds marinated in the truth of that love, and humanity needs to manifest from the heart firsthand experience of God's divine love. So there's enough hostility in the world, enough hate in the religious world. Thirdly, there are enough horrific acts of violence in the political world. There are enough horrific acts of violence in the political world. See, what you have to understand, with hostility and hatred, it leads to violence. Uh, behavior involving physical force that's intended to hurt and damage and kill someone. And, 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 and this violence is often inflicted on people by those who are different from them and disagree with them. And these acts are horrific, they are tragic, they are awful, terrible, atrocious, heinous. And only the love of God can tame the savage beast within mankind that can at least reduce this activity and keep it at minimum, keep it at bay once men and women learn how to love as a result of receiving love. It will change how they behave and what actions they display. Because the love will heal and not hurt, it will build up and not destroy, and it will complement and not criticize. Now, I want to leave with you in this text today um, three reasons why the law of love is the greatest of all laws that will keep us together. Three reasons why the love of God or the law of love is the greatest of all laws that will keep us together. Jesus points it out here in verse 34, the A clause. The law of love is a divine concept. It is a divine concept. Look with me to verse 34, the A clause. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. It is a divine concept. Now, a concept is a plan or intention that has been initiated by the power of God. Love is proactive. It initiates. It always makes the first move. He said, a new commandment. That word new is kainos in Greek, which means recently made, unused, unworn, unprecedented, uncommon, unheard of, unaccustomed. This law that Jesus is now about to implement is of a different nature from what has been contrasted with the old. He said a new commandment, a new order, charge, precept, injunction a prescribed rule in accordance with the thing that is done. Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to give you all an authoritative prescription. See, love always gives. Love always gives. Now, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I mean, it is forever intertwined. He said, a new commandment I give unto you. I bestow a gift. I supply. I furnish necessary things. I reach out, I extend myself, I present this to you, I grant this to you, I permit this to you. But we have to keep this in mind. The law, of course, was initially the Torah, 613 laws of Moses that were given to the children of Israel. Then the emphasis was on the Ten Commandments. 
And then when Jesus came, he would reduce the laws from 613 to 10 to 2. He would say, love God with all your being, love your neighbor as yourself. He reduced it down to two. He said, first of all, love God vertically as he pours his love into you as you believe on him. Because John said that we love him in response because he first loved us. So to believe on him is sending love up. The Father giving us salvation is sending love down. Galatians 5 and 6 says that faith works by love. So we are to love God vertically, and we are to love our neighbors as ourselves horizontally, that we are to extend ourselves by serving humanity. But here in John 13 and 34, a clause, Jesus takes the laws from 613 to 10 to 2 and now to 1. He said, a new commandment I give unto you. He said that you love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus called it a new commandment. And the reason why he calls it a new commandment because he brought the truth of love to light, which Judaism was unable to do. So the focus at that time was more on laws that, re that related to revenge and retaliation until brotherly love was emphasized. And so once that began to happen, the laws based on retaliation and revenge became obsolete and out of date among Judaism. But this was a truth that needed to be emphasized. And so it was new coming from Christ and also new to the disciples. So when we talk about brotherly love, it is to possess and manifest feelings of humanity and compassion toward one's fellow human beings. It comes from the Greek word phileo, which is sibling love for your spiritual brothers and sisters. It is the community of fellow believers globally, regardless to race, gender, social strata, economic status. It is a love that is inclusive. Everyone is brought into the circle and is not exclusive where there are those who are pushed outside the circle. One thing about brotherly love, it builds bridges to bring people in and it doesn't build walls to keep people out. This is a love that extends an unconditional hand of friendship that loves when not loved back, that gives without getting, that forever looks for the best in others and, des and desires and will contribute to the success of others just like you would your own success. This is a universal principle that involves ongoing practice and will produce ongoing results. Love is the fulfilling of the law. It brings closure to just obeying rules and regulations because obedience without love is just discipline. But love that produces obedience is sheer delight. You obey because you want to, not that you feel compelled that you have to. And it is the best approach to spirituality and being spiritual. It is a mutual duty. We owe one another if we have any chance of success or working together to advance the kingdom of God. So the law of love is the greatest of all laws that will keep us together 
because it's a divine concept. Secondly, it's been demonstrated by Christ. It's been demonstrated by Christ. Look at the B clause of verse 34. Are y'all getting anything? He said, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It means to clearly, to demonstrate something means to clearly show the existence or truth of something by giving proof or evidence. He said, as I have loved you. Now, that's a very tall order. For us to love each other in direct comparison and proportion to how Christ has loved us. But I found out something. You can't do it in your own strength and power. It can be done if his love is in us. Now, it will surprise you of your ability and capacity to love when his love is loving through you. And you become a willing and an available vessel. Jesus was our greatest human representation of God in the earth by the love he exhibited not only toward his disciples but toward all men. Think about it. Jesus never condemned anyone. Hello. He never criticized anyone. He never judged anyone. He never discriminated. He never spoke evil of anyone. He spoke the truth. But he did it in love. And Jesus trained his disciples how to love people through relationship building in the community marketplace. And even Jesus' religious enemies, he loved them enough to tell them the truth that the love of God wasn't in them. Had it been in them, they would have received Jesus as the Son of God and Savior of all humanity. And I want to stop right here and say this. I think oftentimes at the, as the church, we have such a desire to train people to do the work of the ministry. And that's fine and well. But I think the problem is we have not spent enough time teaching people how to love other people. Because if you put ministry ahead of love, you won't do ministry in love. You will do ministry with the attitude that you've got to get it accomplished so you can get your numbers in place, so you can get your finances in place, so you can get your people in place. But all of that will begin to diminish and dissipate if it's not presented in a package of love. So if we're going to teach people anything, especially in this day and time that we're living in, dealing with pandemic, dealing with protests, dealing with everything that's going on in the world, now is the time for us to teach people how to love people when they allow to love of God to love through them. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse. We focus on do, 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 do. But it's time to teach people to love, 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 love. Because once they get their hearts right with God, the doing will become easy. Now, it's interesting in verse 1, in verse 1 of chapter 13, it says, Referring to Jesus, it says, having loved his own which were in the world, his disciples, he loved them until the end. 
So to believe in Christ is to love Christ. Plain and simple. The point reached the conclusion to his earthly ministry and his physical life was terminated. Now, if you think about this in the New Testament, this is the first time it is even mentioned in the gospel how much Jesus loved his disciples. That's the only place you read it. And the command that he gave them to love each other. So he's telling them and telling us for us to love each other is just like them loving him. Because we are the objects of the Father's love. Now, now think about this, and I'm closing on this. Think about when a fashion model is participating in a fashion show. Anybody ever been to a fashion show? Let me see your hand. Don't, don't be ashamed, especially your brothers. Don't be ashamed if your wives are with you. Now, <laughs> watch out, Crawford. <laughs> now, when a fashion model is participating in a fashion show, when a model walks down the wrong way, they never talk. All they do is display the latest fashions that they are wearing. Know what they focus on? They walk it out and show it off. But they don't have to talk. Because when the fashion show is being televised, there is a commentator telling the audience who they are, what they're wearing, and who the designer is. Oh, I'm going somewhere with this. When it comes to the love of God, Jesus walked the talk. That's why the multitudes followed him. All Jesus did was model the latest fashions on divine love. He didn't have to talk. There were others that spoke on his behalf based on what they were able to see and they knew who his designer was. So when it comes down to the love of God, it's not always what we say. All we need to do is walk it out and show it off. And when you walk it out and show it off, people will know who you are, they'll know what you're wearing, and they'll know who your designer is. Because when you're wrapped up and tied up and tangled up in love, all you got to do is walk it out and show it off. And people will be drawn to the love of God that they see being displayed and manifested in your life. So the disciples have to love each other to the end because they saw Jesus as an example or pattern worthy of Im imitation to love each other to the end. Thirdly and, and finally, the law of love is the greatest of all laws because it's a divine concept is demonstrated by Christ. Thirdly, it is, it is to be dispensed consistently. Christ's love we have received. It is to be dispensed consistently. Christ's love which we have received. Here in verse 35, Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Now, to dispense is to distribute, allocate, divide, divide, provide, and pour out. Faith receives in the love of God. 
And faith also dispenses out the love of God. You can only produce what you believe you possess. Let me say that again. You can only produce what you believe you possess. And we are to dispense this love consistently on a continual basis, unchanging in nature, to be done the same way in order to be fair or accurate. So Jesus said, by this. So he lets us know that brotherly love is the badge that we are to wear because we represent Christ. Jesus has set the standard. The bar has been set high. And we are to follow suit because the world needs love. He said, by this, we are to be in a, in a fixed position. These visible signs of divine love that Jesus said he demonstrated to them in three and a half years in ministry. He said, this leaves you without an excuse. But what it does, it calls you, it calls you into accountability. He said, by this shall, with absolute certainty, all men, all of existing humanity, they will know, they will understand, they will comprehend the significance of love. They'll recognize it, perceive it, acknowledge it. They will be aware of it. They'll be able to identify it. And they can single you out when you walk out and show off the love of God. You could be in a crowd and people can pick you out of a lineup, pick you out of a group, and know when you display the love of God. Jesus said, by this show, all men know that you are my disciples, that you belong to me. You've been taught by me, tutored by me, mentored by me. You've been my understudy, my protege, my pupil, my learner, my apprentice. Because what do disciples do? They follow the teaching and the teacher. Become one with the teaching and the teacher. And then they evolve to a place where they will no longer remain students, but that they will become teachers themselves. Jesus instructed them in love, and love should be all that they know. When love becomes all that you know, Love will be all that you will grow in. Love will be all that you show. And love will be all that you flow in. The level of your love reveals the level of your discipleship. There are a lot of people say they're following Jesus, but they don't know how to love. So I wonder which Jesus are they following. Are they following Jesus Barabbas? Or are they following the Jesus which is called Christ? Because the level of your love reveals the level of your discipleship. And so Jesus instructed them in love, and love should be all that they know. He said, by this y'all may know that you're my disciples. For the love that you have, this is key, one to another. He didn't say the love that you have one for another. That word for means to be in favor of. But I found out something. Everyone you need to love, you may not always want to love. <laughs> Would you agree with that? But we love in spite of, not because of. And in order for us as a local church and the body of Christ to fulfill the mission 
and vision that the Holy Spirit will entrust unto us for this time where we work in the spirit of unity. It's only love that will keep us together. It makes no difference who you are, where you come from, and what you've done. I should want to love you the way Christ has loved me. Unconditionally, unreservedly. Jesus didn't love me because who I was. He loved me because of who he is. In Romans 5 and 6, Paul said that hope makes not a shame. He said, for the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Since God gave it to you, give it away to someone else. The truth is, it's too much love for you to keep to yourself. The more you, the more you give, the more you will receive. Now is the time for us to pour out the love of God. Pour it out in your home. Pour it out on your job. Pour it out in the community. Pour it out in the church. That word pour is ekio in Greek. It means to shed forth, to bestow or distribute largely. It means to gush out. When somebody hug you, the love ought to gush out of you. <laughs> What's those little candies called? Gushers. And when you squeeze them, the juice comes out. When somebody, look, when somebody hugs you, the love of God ought to come out. They ought to be able to feel and sense the love of God that's evident in your life. Have you been blessed by the word today? Come on, bless the Lord. I want you to stand. We're going to pray. Let's look to the Lord. Father, thank you today for your word. And I pray that this present physical audience, this virtual audience, that they have received your word and your spirit in their spirit today. And that they will allow your divine love to be the ruling factor in all that they say and do. We live in a world that we need to direct to your son, Jesus the Christ. And may the love of God in our hearts be the tour guide to lead them to the cross of Calvary where they will receive Jesus as Lord of their lives. I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to develop and cultivate this word in our hearts. And wherever there may be defects and deficiencies in our lives when it comes to love, that we'll be able to make those necessary corrections. And we praise you today, Lord, that you, you love us with an everlasting love. You love us unconditionally and unreservedly. 
You love us not because of who we are. You love us because of who you are. And we thank you and we bless you for this day of worship and this time that you've allowed us to share together. We pray that you will touch every family in this place today. Every family in the virtual audience. Those who have yet to listen to this worship service. Minister to them by your spirit. And that we'll spread the divine love of God all across the length and breadth of this globe. We thank you and we give you praise for this day of worship. And the glory and the, and the honor belongs to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, if you were blessed, can you clap your hands and rejoice?